Today on Growing Grace, the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. You want eternal life? Ask for it. It's a gift. Well, I don't deserve it. You're right. None of us do. He's given it away to people that don't deserve it. Heaven is filled with people that don't deserve it. In fact, there's no one in heaven that deserves heaven. That's the good news. Idiots like me can get in. Because God has no taste. He'll take anyone. Zion, now filled with hands. And in this place, God will dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I say, let this world know me by your love. Welcome to Grow in Grace. We'll turn things over to Pastor Ed Ray in just a moment. Today, we revisit John chapter 4, where Jesus has a divine appointment with a woman from Samaria. Now, this lady, like many living today, was trying to fill a need in her life with things that couldn't. She's about to learn that only Christ can bring satisfaction and meet her innermost needs. Maybe that's exactly what you're in need of today. Won't you join us as we continue to see who Jesus is and what he'll do in our lives if we allow him to? John, the writer of this gospel, was the youngest disciple, and so he's probably only 13 or 14 years old, and so he, he's waiting and he records all this. He's the only gospel that records this story, because he himself was there, an eyewitness. He heard exactly what Jesus said and heard this conversation word for word. Now, she wasn't expecting Jesus to say anything just male and female. But on top of that, there's this racial issue and this religious issue that's going on. So she's amazed that Jesus says anything. He has nerve. She gives him a real abrupt answer. The woman of Samaria said, how is it that you, you know, you're a Jew, would ask of me a drink, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So she touches on the base of the prejudices here. A drink from a Samaritan, a drink from a woman, for Jews have no dealings. It had been 600 years since the Assyrians came down from the north, almost 700 at this time, and carried off the 10 tribes of the north. They're sometimes called the lost tribes of Israel, but they're not lost, as you'll see when we go through the rest of John. So. It was this area that the Assyrians took all these Jews away, brought in all these non-Jews, and all these various kinds of worship were going on, including the killing of children. That's the religious part. That's the racial part. What's with the woman part? Jesus is the great emancipator. I know we learned in grade school that Abraham Lincoln was, but Jesus was 2,000 years before Abraham Lincoln. And Lincoln got the concept from Scripture. In England, the Quakers had petitioned Parliament in 1783 to stop all slavery in the country. That was almost 100 years before it happened in America. Wilberforce a Christian, an outspoken Christian in the parliament, labored for 30 years to stop all slavery. In 1825, an American lawyer by the name of Charles Grannis Finney in 
upstate New York, got radically saved. And he became a preacher, an evangelist. And he was the very first evangelist in America to do altar calls like Billy Graham did. You come forward if you want to give your life to the Lord and pray. So Finney did that for 10 years and had great impact on upstate New York. In fact, you can read in the history books in Rochester, they closed down all the bars because nobody was going to the bars. And the police department closed a whole bunch of the precinct jails because nobody was committing crimes because it had such a radical impact, this one pastor. Well, 10 years later in 1835, a school, a new college in Oberlin, Ohio, asked Finney to come down and be a professor there. And he went down, 1835, and he walked around the school for a couple of days and met faculty and the students and the trustee who asked him if he would take the job. And he said, well, ask, answer two questions. First, I, I don't see any blacks and I don't see any women. They said, well, we couldn't allow blacks or women into this college, it would fail. And he said, well, I'm sorry, I, I can't help you then. And he went back home to Rochester. Two years later, the college was really struggling, so they called him again to come down, and he came down, same story, walked around and looked, he said, no women, no blacks. And they finally allowed him to demand that from the college. Now, Oberlin College is still there today. In fact, Raylan and I sang there and spoke there years ago in Finney Chapel, Charles Finney became the president of the college. And that year, 1835, four women were allowed into the college, and one of them was black. Four years later, she graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree, the first black woman to graduate from a secular university in America that had both male and female, Caucasians and blacks. Pastor did that. Why? because he knew the Bible. He knew what Jesus was doing here with this woman, this woman. So, if you go to Oberlin today, if you're ever in that area of driving through it, the city sign when you drive in says, Oberlin, the city that caused the Civil War. And they're proud of it. It was one of the stops on the Underground Railroad. Because this man knew Galatians 3, 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. That's our mandate. Colossians 3, 10. And having put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. It's so clear in scripture. I can't understand why we are still struggling in our nation. It wasn't that long ago that racial strife has been tearing up this nation. Raylan and I know a black woman very well, worked with her, she's a biochemist, still working today. She was the first black woman student in Louisiana State University. 
the first one that was allowed in. She's still alive today. She's in her late 70s, almost 80 now. But that's not that long ago. We claim to be a Christian nation. There's absolutely no room for prejudice. If you're prejudiced racially or even towards the other gender, go to your knees and ask God for forgiveness and ask him to change your heart. That's what's going on here. Now, somebody's going to challenge this because I always get flack. Particularly, we are on radio in places like the South. And somebody's going to send me a letter and say, no, no, Jesus wasn't the great emancipator. Let me challenge you. Go anywhere in the world where the gospel has not touched a nation. It doesn't matter whether it's Hindu or Buddhist or Muslim or polytheism or animism. It doesn't matter. If the gospel's never been there, women are held under. And there's probably still slavery. Indonesia. I have a letter from a missionary who went to uh, Indonesia several years ago. And he was uh, blown away how prejudiced the whole country was against women. The first jolt came, he writes, early in my missionary career when one day I saw an empty-handed man leisurely walking behind his wife who was carrying a huge heavy pack on her back. And as I watched, they came to a stream which had to be walked through and there were sharp rocks and uneven riverbed to make the crossing painful and hazardous. So I wondered that if it would bring out any chivalry on the part of this husband. Sure enough, when the woman reached the bank of the stream, she stopped and she waited. As I suppose the husband would at least carry her pack across the river, uh, even if he did give it back to her when they got to the other side, but that isn't what happened. When the man caught up with his wife, he climbed up on her back, on the pack, and she carried them both across the river. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there's prejudice and then there's dumb. <laughs> dodo. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, she said. No problem. Jesus does. Although man builds walls, God tears them down. No racial barriers to those who are in Christ. So Jesus answered and said to her, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, one commentator said this woman has swagger and, uh, and, and she's talking back to Jesus strongly. She's probably thinking something like, oh great, another guy that thinks he's God's gift to women. I've already had five of those husbands, you know, something like that. But Jesus was talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 44 verse 3, I will pour out water on him who is thirsty floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. And you would have been given living waters. It's a beautiful picture of salvation in the Bible. Um, Isaiah 55, 1, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. In the New Testament, Revelation 22, verse 17, whoever will, let him drink of the water of life freely. Salvation is free. It's a gift. It's as simple as drinking water. He would have given you living water. So this woman 
is trying to get past the prejudices that she'd had put on her to figure out what it means to ask for water. That's Pastor Ed Ray, our Bible teacher on Growing Grace. We're in the middle of his study in John 4. I, I love the story of Clara Barton. She was the woman who started the Red Cross, uh, the war, Spanish-American war in, in Cuba. And the head of the American troops then was uh, Teddy Roosevelt. He wasn't president. He was a colonel when that happened. And his Rough Riders uh, got involved in several battles, and they were shot up pretty badly. And they ran out of supplies, and so Roosevelt went to Clara Barton and asked her to sell him some medical supplies and food that they needed. And she looked him right in the eye, and he, she said, no, sir, I won't sell them to you. And he was shocked, and he started to walk away. And one of his aides said, sir, you misunderstood her. She said, you can't buy it. You have to ask her for it. He said, really? He went back and turned around. He said, ma'am, would you give to the American troops some medical supply and food? She said, I'll deliver it. That's what God says to you. That's what he says to me. You want eternal life? Ask for it. It's a gift. Well, I don't deserve it. You're right. None of us do. He's given it away to people that don't deserve it. Heaven is filled with people that don't deserve it. In fact, there's no one in heaven that deserves heaven. That's the good news. Idiots like me can get in because God has no taste. He'll take anyone. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Uh, this is the city I grew up in. Uh, I'm here to encourage everybody. People walk in and say, Ed, Ray, what are you doing up there? When they find out who you are. <laughs> I said, I know. Isn't it amazing? God said, it's a free gift. All you have to do is take it. There for the asking. So, he said living water is a beautiful picture. Living water, flowing water is better than water from a cistern or a well or you know, you're hiking somewhere and you come up to a pond and it's all green with little daphnia and blue-green algae and bugs and mosquitoes. And I mean, you can get all your food groups just drinking the water, but uh, you're trying to avoid that, right? Versus a stream that's running and the oxidation, the air that gets added to the stream tends to kill off all the living organisms. So don't count on that. It just helps. It doesn't make it absolutely clean. But salvation is this gift. Now, the woman comes back to Jesus, verse 11, with, sir, you don't have anything to draw water from this well. The well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? She didn't change with the conversation. She missed Jesus' turn left and she turned right. Jesus was talking about spiritual things and she was still stuck on physical things. Like Nicodemus, who we looked at a couple of weeks ago. You know, he was that rabbi that came by night and he said, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus said, you must be born again. He goes, eh, my mom's gone. <laughs> I'm an old man, I can't get back. In no, 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 no. You must be born of water, amniotic fluid, and you must be born of the spirit. So Jesus is talking about spiritual things. She's saying, mister, the water's deep here. You don't even have a bucket, no rope. How are you going to help me with water? And then a great, uh, it's actually, to me, it's a funny question. Verse 12, are you greater than our father, Jacob? She's talking to the creator of the universe. <laughs> That's why you aren't God and I'm not God. Because I would have said something real smart alecky, like, well, you know, you know Jacob's well. I know Jacob well. You know, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Jesus answered and said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. And he wasn't just talking about physical things. This is one of the most profound things that Jesus has ever said. He said, acquire your greatest ambition and you will thirst again. Acquire that greatest dream, that car, that boat, that airplane, that home, that third home, that beach condo in Maui or whatever it is. Get it and you'll thirst for more. Amass no matter how much money. It won't be enough. John David Rockefeller, the richest man in the world at that time, and some would say in today's money, a trillionaire, even worth more than Gates or anyone else you want to name modern. Well, he was being interviewed by a newspaper man. The newspaper man said, do you have enough money, Mr. Rockefeller? And he said, no. And the newspaper reporter said, so how much more do you need? And he said, just a little more. He was thirsty. He had amassed a larger fortune than any person on the planet, and he still thought he needed more. What is it that you think will satisfy? Speed? Hey, you go fast, and you'll want to go faster the next time. Power? Well, if I just had a little bit more. Drugs or alcohol? Uh, just something a little bit stronger. <laughs> Titles? Position? Uh, I could go just a little bit higher. Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. It's guaranteed. Next verse. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, a source of water springing up into everlasting life, take you all the way to eternity and beyond, and draw other people with you. You get the privilege of sharing Jesus Christ with other people who will stand in eternity next to you and go, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad. I thought you were being loud and obnoxious. Oh, no, not another Jesus freak. But I listened, and now I'm here in eternity with you. Never thirst. That old water of material things won't hit you again as long as you're saying, God, I want to do whatever you want me to do. I don't want to do anything else but what you want me to do. And then we will become this fountain to other people. The woman said to him, sir, that sounds like a good deal. Give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She's looking for indoor plumbing. She still doesn't get it. I don't have to walk all the way down to this well if you just gave me water that would never wear out. Like Nicodemus, she didn't realize that Jesus was talking about spiritual things. So Jesus changes the direction. Go, call your husband and come here. Now, there's no conversion without conviction. And she's being convicted of her sin. She's been married five times. Now she's living with a guy she's not married. But notice how gentle Jesus is. Go talk to your husband that's not your husband, but come back because I want to talk to both of you. Jesus is on a mission to pull this woman and her family into eternity just like he is with every person you meet in your life. 
He wants to use you to draw them into the family of God. Come back. This whole interchange, and we'll see, is about eternity. Where will you spend eternity? How long is eternity? Let me close with the true story. You'll know it if you are Australian. But Arthur Stace was a loser, a no-hoper, an alcoholic, and was functionally illiterate. He was a homeless person living on the streets in Sydney, Australia. Most saw him as a lost cause. But one Sunday night, because it was cold, he went into a church, sat in the very back just to get warm. And he heard a sermon. And for the first time, based on this woman, he listened and he wept. And when he left the church, he went across the street to a park, sat on a bench, wept, and gave his heart to Jesus Christ and was radically changed. A few days later, he was looking for another church. He walked into an evangelistic crusade being done by a pastor named Ridley. And 40 years later, Stace could still tell you the words that Ridley said at the end of his sermon. He said, eternity, eternity. Oh, I would that that word would be emblazoned across every street in Sydney. Now, Stace was a simple man. He couldn't read, but he could spell the word eternity. And in his pocket, he had a piece of yellow chalk. And so he left, went out on the sidewalk and wrote the word eternity in, in copper, a certain kind of script, a very distinctive one. And he began to do that all over the city of Sydney, Australia. He did it for 40 years. Nobody knew who was doing it. It was in the papers. Who is this person that writes the one-word sermon, eternity, on the steps in Sydney? And it wasn't destructive. The next time it rained, everything was washed away. 40 years later, Stace was working as a janitor in a Baptist church, and he finished his janitor duties late one night. He went home, and on his way home, he took out a piece of chalk not very far from the church and began to write the word eternity. And the pastor, who was having trouble sleeping that night, walked around the corner and tripped over him, literally fell on the ground. And he said, Stace, what are you doing? And then he saw the word, eternity, just like that. And so the pastor used it in a sermon illustration, and everybody figured out who Stace was. But when the Olympics came to Sydney, Australia, that's what they put over the harbor of Sydney. The word eternity in fireworks and in lights. Why? Because they found that ten thousands of Australians had read that one word sermon and been convicted and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. One word. Eternity. That's what God wants you to share with the world. Well, maybe today is the day you enter into eternal life, just as the woman of Samaria did so long ago. That happens through faith in what Jesus did on the cross. You're listening to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. You'll find us online at thepackinghouse.org. And that's a great place to go and hear this program again and find more information about the Packing House Christian Fellowship. That's thepackinghouse.org. You can also call and ask for a CD copy, 
at 844-77-GRACE. You know, it takes a team to bring you Grow in Grace, and we look to our listeners to help make all this possible. If you'd like to make a contribution, you can call 844-77-GRACE. And as you do, be sure to request our special offer available for a gift of any amount. It's a book written by Chuck Smith titled, Why Grace Changes Everything. You'll discover the difference grace will make for you. It transforms our lives into something beautiful. Read all about it in this Christian classic, and we'll send it your way when you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount. You can reach us again at 844-77-GRACE. Again, that's 844-77-GRACE. You know, and even if you're not in a position to be able to give, we still want to hear from you. Your email would be a great encouragement to Pastor Ed. This lets us know where Grow in Grace is having an impact by God's grace. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us for the next Grow in Grace when Pastor Ed Ray will pick up where we left off in the Gospel of John. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your 